Section 6 of Out of the Iron Womb by Paul Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Paul Harvey. As he rose over the lip of the crater, his head swung, seeking his enemy. There. It was almost a reflex which brought his arm back and sent the wrench hurtling across the few yards between. Before it had struck, Bo's feet lashed against the pit edge and the kick arced him toward Lungard. Spacemen have to be good at throwing things. The wrench hit the lifted rifle in a soundless shiver of metal, tore it loose from an insecure, gauntleted grasp, and sent it spinning into shadow. Lungard yelled, spun on his heel, and dove after it. Then the flying body of Bo Johnson struck him. Even in low G, matter has all its inertia, the impact rang and boomed within their armor. They swayed and fell to the ground, locking arms and hammering futilely at helmets. Rolling over, Bo got on top, his hands closed on Lungard's throat, where the throat should have been, but plastic and alloy held fast. Instinct had betrayed him. Lungard snarled, doubled his legs and kicked. Bo was sent staggering back. Lungard crawled erect and turned to look for the rifle. Bo couldn't see it either in the near-solid blackness where no light fell, but his wrench lay as a dark gleam. He sprang for that, closed a hand on it, bounced up, and rushed at Lungard. A swing shocked his own muscles with its force, and Lungard lurched. Bo moved in on him. Lungard reached into his tool tube and drew out his own wrench. He circled, his panting horse in Bo's earphones. This is the way it was supposed to be, said Bo. He jumped in, his weapon whirling down, to shiver again on the other helmet. Lungard shook a dazed head and countered. The impact roared and echoed in Bo's helmet and into his skull. He smashed heavily. Lungard's lifted wrench parried the blow. It slid off. Like a fencer, Lungard snaked his shaft in, and the reverberations were deafening. Bo braced himself and smote with all his power. The hit sang back through iron and alloy into his own bones. Lungard staggered a little, hunched himself, and struck in return. They stood with feet braced apart, trading fury, a metal rain on shivering plastic. The stuff was almost unbreakable, but not quite. Not for long when such violence dinned on it. Bo felt a lifting wild glee. Something savage he had never known before leaped up in him, and he bellowed. He was stronger. He could hit harder. Lungard's helmet would break first. The humanist retreated, using his wrench like a sword, stopping the force of blows without trying to deal more of his own. His left hand fumbled it aside. Bo hardly noticed. He was pushing in, hewing, hewing. Again, the shrunken sun rose to flash hard light off its club. Lungard grinned, his face barely visible as highlight and shadow behind the plastic. His raised tool turned one hit. It slipped along his arm, to wrap his flank. Bo twisted his arm around, beat the other wrench aside for a moment, and landed a crack like a thunderbolt. 
Then Lungard had his drinking hose free, pointing in his left hand. He thumbed down the clamp, exposing water at 50 degrees to naked space. It rushed forth, driven by its own vapor pressure, a stream like a lance in the wan sunshine. When it hit Bo's helmet, most of it boiled off, cooling the rest, which froze instantly. Blindness clamped down on Bo. He leaped away, cursing, the front of his helmet so frosted he could not see before him. Lungard bounced around, playing the hose on him. Through the rime coat, Bo could make out only a grayness. He pawed at it, trying to wipe it off, knowing that Lungard was using this captured minute to look for the rifle. As he got some of the ice loose, he heard a sharp yell of victory. Found! Turning, he ran again. Over that ridge, down on your belly, a slug pocked the stone above him. Rolling over, he got to his feet and bounded off toward a steep rise, still wiping blindness off his helmet. But he could not wipe the bitter vomit taste of defeat out of his mouth. His breathing was a file that raked in his throat. Heart and lungs were ready to tear loose, and there was a cold knot in his guts. Fleeing up the high, ragged slope, he sobbed out his rage at himself and his own stupidity. At the top of the hill, he threw himself to the ground and looked down again over the low wall of basalt. It was hard to see if anything moved down in that valley of night. Then the sun threw a broken gleam off polished metal, the rifle barrel, and he saw Einar Lundgaard walking around looking for him. The voice came dim in his earphones. Why don't you give up, Bo? I tell you, I don't want to kill you. Yeah, Bo panted wearily. I'm sure. Well, you can never tell, said Lungard mildly. It would be rather a nuisance to have to keep not only the fair Valeria, but you tied up all the way to base. Still, if you'll surrender by the time I've counted ten. Look here, said Bo desperately. I've got half the links. If you don't give up, I'll hammer them all flat and let you starve. And Valeria? The voice jeered at him. He knew his secret was red. I shouldn't have let you bluff me in the first place. It won't happen a second time. All right. One, two, three. Bo could get off this asteroid with no more than the power of his own legs. A few jets from the emergency blow valve at the bottom of an air tank would correct his flight as needed to bring him back to the Sirius. He wanted to get up there and inside warm walls and take Valeria in his hands and never let her go again. He wanted to live. Six, seven, eight, he looked at his gauges. A lot of oxyhelium mixture was gone from the tanks, but they were big and there was still several atmospheres pressure in each. A couple of hours of life. If he didn't exert himself too much, they screwed directly into valves in the back of his armor. And, ten. All right, Bo. Lungard started moving up the slope. Light and graceful as a bird. It was wide and open. No place to hide and sneak up behind him. Figures reeled through Bo's mind senselessly. Mass of the asteroid, effect of radius, escape velocity, only a few feet per second. And he was already on one of the highest points. Brains 
he thought with a shattering sorrow. A lot of good mine have done me. He prepared to back down the other side of the hill, run as well as he could, as long as he could, until a bullet splashed his blood or suffocation thickened it. But I want to fight, he thought through a gulp of tears. I want to stand up and fight. Orbital velocity equals escape velocity divided by the square root of two. For a moment he lay there, rigid, and his eyes stared at death, walking up the slope, but did not see it. Then, in a crazy blur of motion, he brought his wrench around, closed it on a nut at one side, and turned. The right-hand air tank unscrewed easily. He held it in his hands, a three-foot cylinder, blind while calculation raced through his head. What would the centrifugal and Coriolis forces be? It was the roughest sort of estimate. He had neither time nor data, but Lungard was taking it easy, stopping to examine each patch of shadow thrown by some gaunt crag, each meteor scar where a man might hide. It would take him several minutes to reach the hilltop. Bo clutched the loosened tank in his arms, throwing one leg around it to make sure, and faced away from Lungard. He hefted himself as if his body were a machine he must use. Then, carefully, he jumped off the top of the hill. It was bird-like, dream-like, thus to soar noiseless over iron desolation. The sun fell behind him. A spearhead pinnacle clawed after his feet. The southern cross flamed in his eyes. Downward, get rid of that downward component of velocity. He twisted the tank, pointing it toward the surface, and cautiously opened the blow valve with his free hand. Only a moment's exhaust, everything gauged by eye. Did he have an orbit now? The ground dropped sharply off to infinity, and he saw stars under the keel of the world. He was still going out, away. Maybe he had miscalculated his jump, exceeded escape velocity after all, and was headed for a long, cold spin toward Jupiter. It would take all his compressed air to correct such a mistake. Sweat prickled in his armpits. He locked his teeth and refused to open the valve again. It was like endless falling, but he couldn't yet be sure if the fall was toward the asteroid or the stars. The rock spun past him. Another face came into view. Yes, by all idiot gods, its gravity was pulling him around. He skimmed low over the bleakness of it, seeing darkness and starlit death sliding beneath him. Another crag loomed suddenly in his path, and he wondered, in a harsh clutch of fear, if he was going to crash. Then it ghosted by, a foot from his flying body. He thought he can almost sense the chill of it. He was a moon now, a satellite, skimming low over the airless surface of his own midget world. The fracture plane where Lungard had shot at him went by, and he braced himself. Up around the tiny planet, and there was the hill he had left, stark against Sagittarius. He saw Lungard standing on its heights and looking the way he had gone. Carefully, he aimed the tank and gave himself another small blast to correct his path. There was no noise to betray him. The asteroid was a grave where all sound was long buried and frozen. He flattened, 
holding his body parallel to the tank in his arms. One hand still gripped the wrench. The other reached to open the blow valve wide. The surge almost tore him loose. He had a careening, lunatic moment of flight in which the roar of the escaping gas boiled through his armor and he clung like a troll to a runaway witch's broom. The sun was blinding on one side of him. He struck Lungard with an impact of velocity and inertia which sent him spinning down the hill. Bo hit the ground, recoiled, and sprang after his enemy. Lungard was still rolling. As Bo approached, he came to a halt, lifted his rifle dazedly, and had it knocked loose with the single blow of the wrench. Lungard crawled to his feet while Bo picked up the rifle and threw it off the asteroid. Why did you do that? I don't know, said Bo. I should just shoot you down, but I want you to surrender. Lungard drew his wrench. No, he said. All right, said Bo. It won't take long. When he got up to the Sirius, using a tank Lungard would never need, Valeria had armed herself with a kitchen knife. It wouldn't have done much good, he said when he came through the airlock. She fell into his arms, sobbing, and he tried to comfort her. It's all over, all taken care of. We can go home now. He himself was badly in need of consolation. The inquiry on earth would clear him, of course, but he would always have to live with the memory of a man stretched dead under a wintry sky. He went aft and replaced the links. When he came back, Valeria had recovered herself, but as she watched his methodical preparations and listened to what he had to tell, there was that in her eyes which he hardly dared believe. Not him. Not a big, dumb slob like him. End of section 6. Recording by Paul Harvey. End of Out of the Iron Womb by Paul Anderson.